All right. Well, we're going to get into the scriptures today. Are you ready for the word? Man. Uh, here's what I want to do today. Just, I'd like to give you kind of a heads up of where we're going so you can kind of join us throughout the whole service today. I'm going to teach you on praise and thanksgiving and that God has given us praise and thanksgiving as a weapon. Amen. At the end of the service, at the end of the message at least, I'm going to invite everybody up and we're going to do some warfare together by going back into some worship and some praise. And so I want you to kind of get your spirit ready for that because whatever you've come in with, that would be negative or would be a, a battle you're facing or something the enemy has set against you, you are not going to leave in that same place. You are not going to leave with the same spirit of heaviness like Marie was talking about. You're not going to leave with the same bondage. You're not going to leave with the same fear, the same depression. You're going to walk out of here leaping and dancing and praising God. Anybody ready for that? <laughs> leaping and dancing and praising God. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know if I want to be leaping out of church. It's kind of awkward. Then you just strut praising God, all right? That's, leaping is, is too much for you. You just strut. I think there's a translation somewhere that says strutting and praising God. And so you can utilize that. All right, let's get into the scriptures this morning. Open your Bibles, if you would, please. By the way, if you need a Bible or a notebook, we provide them for you throughout the campus. We want everyone taking notes in church. We believe as you take notes, God gives you more. You cannot retain everything in one sitting. Go back and read them throughout the week. So please be taking notes throughout service. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, before we get into the weapons that we have, some of the enemies that these weapons defeat in our lives would be enemies, you can write these down, some of these things, enemies of fear, enemies of anxiety, enemies of depression, enemies of greed, enemies of ungratefulness, enemies of hopelessness, you know, we're in a culture right now, we're in kind of a time period where you can kind of see it everywhere you go. There's this heaviness, which is why I love Maria was sharing with that. And I don't know if you realize all of our worship songs today kind of fit into this same category. We're, we are coming aggressively against this anxiety that is on our culture. This depression, this sense of hopelessness, this restlessness that has kind of settled in. And it becomes almost a part of life. Everywhere you look around, it's like people are just irritable. There's just this edge on everyone. It's almost like right under the surface, people are ready to kind of lash out or explode. I don't know if you've seen anyone like this. You don't have to raise your hand if you have, or if you are that person, then just point at the person. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But it's almost like there's this tension under the surface, and it's time, I thank God, that we can come to church and get real freedom from stuff, get really equipped to make it through and prosper in every season, in every society, amen. And we have to deal with these things. We have to identify that they're there, even in yourself. You might even say, you know what, that's me. I have been living under this dark cloud, this spirit of heaviness. I've had this depression or this dissatisfaction that is kind of fed by our culture, even watching commercials. My kids, I have a couple of my kids that are super susceptible to commercials. If it's on TV, they're like, Dad, we need that. I, I don't need that. I don't need a microwavable egg cooker. I don't need it. No, Dad, we, we won't be happy unless we have that. So, it's, so it's, it's, it's great to know that marketing works if you're in the marketing business, but you know what? We do have this culture that kind of keeps pushing you that you never have enough, you can never earn enough money, 
You'll never be as good as somebody next to you unless you have more than them. You can never have enough fame. You can never have enough followers. You can never have enough whatever. What you have isn't enough. You need what somebody else has. Are you understanding this? You see this in our culture, and it constantly pushes you out of a place of peace. It pushes you out of the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. And so today, we're coming back hard on these things. We're going to utilize these weapons of praise and thanksgiving. You're going to walk out of here satisfied. That doesn't mean that you aren't going to push for more of the kingdom of God, but there's a godly satisfaction that you don't come from a place of being dissatisfied, you come from a place of truly wanting to bring more of God's kingdom and light into the earth, not because you're trying to feed some deficiency in yourself. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's look at verse 17. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 17. Let's just start talking about praising God and start talking about being thankful. Never stop praying, the Bible says. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Underline that in your Bible, if you would, please. Never stop praying. Be thankful in only the good circumstances. Be thankful in the, in the circumstances that are favorable to you. Be thankful in the circumstances that went the way you wanted them to go. Now, it doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. Come on now. I don't, I'm not thankful for traffic on I-4 and 408 and, you know, every highway in Orlando. But you know what? I am thankful that business is going again. I am thankful that, you know, um, people are vacationing back through this place again. I am thankful that the world is opening up again. I am thankful for the people in our church that work in those industries and they drive buses and they work in hotels and God is providing with business again. Are you understanding this? I may not be thankful for every circumstance, but I can, be, I can find something to be thankful for to God in all circumstances. Amen. This is part of the journey. This is part of the process. Some of us were conditioned as kids to only say thank you or be thankful when everything was going the way we wanted it to go. I'm trying to teach us today that no matter what situation you're in, no matter what we feel, we have the power to change our attitude. We have the power to change how we experience that moment. We can make that moment something to celebrate. We can make that moment something between you and God that's overcoming. Amen. You know, people say, you ask somebody, how you doing? They say, pretty good under the circumstances. Well, what are you doing under the circumstances? You are an overcomer, amen. Let's get above the circumstances. Let's look from God's perspective. Philippians chapter four. Let's go to Philippians chapter four, and we're gonna look at verse six. The Bible says, Philippians four, six, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all he has done. In, in prayer, one of the keys in prayer is prayer with thanksgiving, the Bible says, let your prayers be made known to God. We're moving into a week where we celebrate Thanksgiving, and I want you to see that we can utilize and leverage this Thanksgiving week to help get you out of that depression you've been in. To, you know, where people say holidays are some of the most depressing seasons for some individuals, it doesn't have to be. 
And you might say, well, I don't have family here. But you, you and God can still have a celebration that day. You can make something special between you and the Lord and begin to thank him for what he has done and what he's going to do. Amen. And if you need someone to hang out with for Thanksgiving, we have wonderful families here as well that would open their homes or places we can encourage you to connect so you're not alone. But let us know, genuinely. I mean that. But I love how the Bible says, pray without ceasing, and the Bible tells us to pray with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then the Bible goes on to say, in the peace of God which passes understanding will guard your heart and mind. Now, I love that it says to begin thanking God the moment you pray. What am I thanking God for? I'm thanking God for what I just prayed about. Did you hear what I just said? I am already celebrating and thanking God for the answer to that prayer as if I've already received that prayer. I am celebrating, why? Because God has heard my prayer, and we know he's a prayer answering God, amen? And so I could begin to celebrate before the circumstances change. I can begin to celebrate before the finances come in. I can celebrate before the sickness has dissipated. I can celebrate before all the relationships I'm concerned about have been sorted out or fixed. I can celebrate before the thing at my work which upsets me or troubles me is fixed. I have prayed about it, and now I choose to celebrate and be thankful. Prayer with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Come on. Prayer with thanksgiving. With it. Amen. Not pray and then wait and see, but pray and begin to be thankful. And it's in that spirit of thanksgiving that my heart is guarded. The peace of God comes in to guard your heart and mind. You know, again, here we are talking about weapons. There's this bubble, this protection. When you're in this place of praise and thanksgiving while you're waiting for things to change, that's when the peace of God can settle in. If you pray and panic or pray and stay focused on what hasn't happened yet, then fear and anxiety and depression and all those things can settle in. But when I shift by a choice and an act of my will, I shift into being thankful, all of a sudden my faith begins to rise and peace begins to come and press against those thoughts that would try to distract me while I'm in the waiting. While I'm in the waiting. How many of you have ever been in the waiting room for a prayer to come to pass? The waiting room. Anybody? And there is a peace available to you so that you don't wait in the waiting room in fear and anxiety and depression and dissatisfaction and all of those things we just talked about. There may be a journey between when you ask for it and it comes to pass, but how that journey trans transacts with you, how you walk that journey, if you begin to praise God now, you begin to thank God now, there is the peace of God which passes understanding which will guard your heart and mind. Amen. Sometimes we think we are praising and thanking more than we really are. We agree that we should be quick to praise, quick to thank, but if we really go through our times of prayer, if we really go through all the stuff coming out of our mouth, I wonder how much praise and thanksgiving is intentionally happening. Because so often, we will begin to thank and praise when we see a miracle come through. But even that, if I'm really honest with you, I don't do a great job celebrating the miracles in my own life. God will do something spectacular. God will answer. God will meet a need. God will pay a bill. God will bring a healing in somebody's body. And we're like, oh, that's awesome. 
But rather than having like a moment, you know what I mean? Rather than pausing and saying, let us give God praise for that today. Lord, we thank you. We bring it to remembrance. I remember when I had that need. Some of you, God paid a bill that you didn't even stop to thank him for. Because that's human. We do that. There's a relationship that is reconciled today that two years ago you were completely in turmoil over. When's the last time you celebrated that that relationship is healed today? There's just things that become common and we don't stop. And this is human nature and God even warns about it in scripture. We'll get to it in just a little bit. But if we're not careful, we forget of all the things that God's already done that we can choose to praise him for. And you know what that's gonna do? It increases your faith for the next mountain or giant that you're facing right now. The idea of bringing to remembrance, the idea of intentionally celebrating and praising. God used to fit these things throughout the Jewish calendar to make sure they would take time to stop, to remember, to praise, to stop just going on to the next thing and the next thing, but to worship their God and to thank him for all that he's done and all that he is. Not just what he has done. Can I get an amen on that? Psalms 100 verse 4, the Bible says this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him, and praise his name. Let me tell you why I love this verse. I love this verse because it says to enter with thanksgiving. Not wait for the worship team to get you going. Not wait for the worship team to sing your favorite song. Basically, you're like, I'm going to the house of the Lord, and I've got a praise in my heart. I have thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter with thanksgiving. I will enter with praise. Are you seeing this? And it begins to just open the gates for us. Praise and thanksgiving begins to open the gates for us. Come to him with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You understand that we're doing this not because God requires our praise or our thanksgiving to make him better, because he's insecure, because he needs people to tell him how great he is. God is complete in himself. Can someone say amen? Whether you praise him or you don't praise him doesn't change or affect his, his Godhead, doesn't change or affect his power, doesn't it change or affect his completeness. The praise and thanksgiving is for your benefit. It's to get your eyes off of the enemy, to get your eyes onto your Savior, to get your eyes off of your problem. Come on, and thank him for the promise. Get your eyes off what isn't happening and see what has happened to give you the faith of God for what will happen according to his will and according to his faithfulness. Amen. Let's just do this right now. I want you to stand up. We're going to have a praise break right now. Stand up on your feet. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Stand up on your feet. Begin to thank him for what he has done. Thank him for what he has done. Thank him for the salvation of your soul. Thank him for forgiveness of sin. Thank him for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thank him for that time he healed your body. Thank you for that bill that he paid out of nowhere. He brought money out of a fish's mouth. Thank him that your marriage isn't where it was. Thank him that your kids are next to you in church right now. Thank him your grandkids are in the children's church over there. Thank him for the freedom we have in the United States and for the country we get to live in. If you can use your mouth and you can breathe, thank him for the breath in your lungs. If you can stand 
stand on your legs, you stand on those legs and you give them a little dance right now. Come on, don't fake this. You give God praise, you can walk, you can stand. The blood is flowing through your body. You woke up today, you didn't die last night. You are alive this morning. You have a job right now, thank him that you have a job. It may not be the job you want all your life, but it's a good start, it's a beginning. And we're gonna be grateful for the bills that he's paying now. Come on now, come on, you're not done. This is the goodness of God. This is his faithfulness. You have come with praise. You have come with thanksgiving. Think about all the Lord has done. You're at home right now, get up off your chair at home. Come on, you have television. That means you can pay the electric bill. You can pay the cable bill. You're sitting there with a cup of coffee in your hand. I can see that. Get up, thank God for the cup of coffee. Somebody praise the Lord today. Come on, we're not gonna stop because it's tradition. We're not gonna stop because you think you did enough. We're gonna praise the Lord today. You're gonna get some freedom today. You're gonna get some joy unspeakable and full of glory today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo! Now you do it without me. You do it without me. I don't need to be the cheerleader. You do it without me. Hallelujah. Praise God. We have to learn. Go ahead, you can be seated for now. We have to learn how to be people of praise and thanksgiving. It's not easy. We forget. Even when we're clapping sometimes, we don't even know what we're clapping about. You have to learn how to bring to remembrance. Bring to remembrance and start where you are. There are times I take a prayer walk twice, I try to do it twice a week where it's just me and God on like a little prayer walk together. And every time when I come, you know, there's just stuff. You have stuff, we have stuff, everybody's got stuff. And I know how to get myself ready to pray. Let me tell you some of the things I start with when I get ready to pray. God, thank you for my salvation. Thank you that I'm saved. I thank you that I am filled with the Holy Spirit of God and that I can pray in a language that's beyond me and I can have the mind of Christ. Amen. I'm honest with you, I'll say, God, I thank you for palm trees. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm thankful that I'm not frozen anymore. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the sun. Thank you for blue skies. Thank you that I get to live in Florida. I start where I am and I work my way through. God, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my children. Even in the days that my children don't act like I wanna thank him for my children. <laughs> I thank him, as they are amazing kids. And there's so many gifts and callings in their life. I thank him that I get the privilege of being the pastor of Calvary Orlando. I am humbled and honored and grateful for this opportunity. I'm thankful because it's not the building, it's not what impresses me. You are Calvary. You are the kingdom. You are the church. And you are loving people. You are godly people. You are helpful people. You are spiritual people. 
You are good people, amen. You're anointed people, you're disciplers, you're mission senders. You love the word of God, you take care of each other, you're quick to volunteer. I am thankful for who you are. And I begin to recount, just like this, by choice, by choice, all the blessings of God in my life. You can do that. We can do that by choice. Amen. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 1, write it down, James chapter 1 verse 17, that every good and perfect gift comes to us from God our Father. Amen. There are good and perfect gifts in your life all around, and we must recognize them. We must look for them and bring them back to remembrance. The sacrifice of praise, the Bible says. There's this interesting statement throughout different places in the New Testament and the Old Testament where it says we bring a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Psalms 50, verse 14 says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Keep the vows you made to the Most High. A sacrifice is something that costs you. Amen? It's one thing to just thank God and praise God when something big happens or you see the answer to your prayer or you see something good. It's another thing to make a praise and to make a thanksgiving when you're in a place where that thanksgiving is hard to do, where that praise is hard to give. Have you ever been there? We're human beings, right? We've been there. There are times that the praise and the thanksgiving is hard to offer because the discouragement is so deep, because the moment is so dark, because the fear is so real. So that sacrifice, that moment of praise, that moment of thanksgiving costs me something. It costs me energy to make my heart do what it does want to do. It costs me putting down the human response. Amen? Maybe even the quick false comfort you might feel of calling someone up and complaining and venting and throwing up all the bad negative stuff and gossiping or whatever that might be, saying, I'm not going to gossip right now. I'm going to go praise. I'm not going to just vent my junk. I'm going to go praise. I'm going to go be thankful, not for the situation, but in the situation. Are you hearing me? Sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice is something that costs you. David was going to make a sacrifice to the Lord in the Old Testament, and the gentleman that owned the land said, I'll just give the land to you. And David said, no, I will pay for the land. Because he said, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is a familiar passage of Scripture to those of us who have been around church a while. It's the story of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are out doing the Lord's work. They're out doing good. There's a lady, a fortune teller, and she's kind of, you know, pestering Paul <laughs> while he's ministering, which is a great separate conversation altogether because she's sitting there saying, these men are of God, you should listen to them. So out of her mouth, she's saying spiritual things, but she's really being used by the devil to distract and become an interruption. 
You can see that in certain places throughout church or places where people sound like they're doing something for God, but really they're trying to get the eyes off of what Jesus is doing onto themselves. That's a different story for a different day. Paul didn't rebuke this woman the first day, which I appreciate because I think he waited to discern whether this spirit was from God or not. That's a good quote right there. It's a different spiritual dynamic, but I think he wasn't completely sure, which gives me hope that I can wait a couple of days to discern before I have to react to everything. That was good, Pastor Kevin. I know, right? That was really good. Yeah, that was free. That was a free one. That wasn't even a sermon. So he rebukes this demon, and this girl can no longer uh, predict the future. She can't fortune tell anymore. And they get arrested because the owner of this slave girl says, we've just lost the income. And so they take Paul and Silas, and they arrest. They beat them. Listen to me. They beat them unjustly. They, they don't even give them the due process because they're Roman citizens and they should have had a court hearing or some sort of court, you know, you know case or something. So they didn't get the, the, the process that they should have gotten. They were beaten and, and whipped or whatever they did for doing the right thing. So many times we get, you know, we're like, God, you know, why am I being persecuted or under attack? I thought I was doing something right. Because the devil doesn't like it when you're doing God's work. So don't have this theology that just because something bad's happening, that means God's angry with you or that you're not doing enough. Sometimes you get persecuted and challenged in doing the right thing. Come on. People say, God, I started tithing. How come I have trouble? Because the devil doesn't like you tithing. I thought there was a promise I would never have a problem again. If that was the case, everybody would tithe. <laughs> but you have a promise to stand on in the middle of your trouble. Come on, be excited about these things. Absolutely. So Paul and Silas are being beaten for doing the right thing. And they're thrown in prison. And it's about midnight. And my guess would be that their wounds are painful. Their bruising is starting to come out. There may even be infection or things from bleeding and being thrown in a Roman prison. Are you, do you ever paint the picture of these stories or you just quickly read through them? They're sore. They've been cheated. They've been thrown into prison unjustly. They're in bondages and chains and they're among, they are among a bunch of thieves. Like, this is not my people. Like, I don't deserve to be here. But the Bible says about midnight, they began to praise and give thanksgiving to God. That's Acts 16. That's a sacrifice of praise right there. That's when I don't feel like praising right there. Can you identify that in your life somewhere? Time where you didn't feel like praising? What do you think would have been coming out of your mouth being cheated, being beaten unjustly? Come on. What kind of words would have been coming out of your mouth? God, why did you leave me? God, where are you? God, I thought you were supposed to be good. God, blah, 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 wah, 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 wah. Charlie Brown in it all night long. Amen. How do I know you do that? Because that's probably what I would have done. But you know what Paul and Silas did? The Bible says they began to thank and praise the Lord. 
And the Bible goes on to say that the other prisoners were listening. Do you know there's other people watching you in your problems? your kids, your grandkids, and you're teaching them how to respond in their trouble, in their problems, your neighbors, your coworkers, everybody at work gets cheated, including you. What comes out of your mouth? You get into the gossip circle with them, or do you say, God is faithful, God is good, God's going to turn this around, God's going to be no man's debtor? Are you hearing me? The Bible doesn't say that they gave praise and thanksgiving to God in order to get out of prison because they didn't know the next portion of Scripture. They hadn't read their story in the Bible. But they knew they didn't want to stay in offense. They didn't want to stay in fear. They didn't want to stay in anger because those don't bring out the righteousness of God. Are you hearing me? And so they chose in the middle of their circumstance to shift the atmosphere to turn their prison into a sanctuary and a place of praise. And they began to praise God. And the Bible says that the presence of God invades that place, and a great earthquake began to shake, and it shook the chains off their wrists and off their feet. It blew open the prison doors, and it set not only them free, but everyone in that prison free. Do you know your praise has the ability to set your family free, to set your office complex free, because they're all complaining about their chains and you're praising God, showing them another way, and they begin to see God's faithfulness? But you joining in the gossip, you joining in the negativity isn't going to bring about the goodness of God in that situation. Do you see how they change that atmosphere, that presence of God filling the place? It was a choice. That's a sacrifice of praise. It was a decision. There's nowhere in that story that they felt goosebumps that we know of, that they felt like this is what they wanted to do in some emotional aspect. It was a choice. Say choice. It was a decision in the middle, but they pulled out the weapon. They pulled out the weapon of praise and thanksgiving. And like I said, I don't know that they meant to blow the doors off the place, but they knew what to do to carry them through a valley. They knew what to do to carry them through that prison cell. That's really good. You have the power to choose to praise, to choose to be thankful. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, write it in your notes. Colossians 3, verse 2. The Bible says you have the power to set your mind. Set your mind on things above. Did you know you have the power to set your mind? You don't have to let your mind run away with you. You need to know what's available to you and what the Bible expects of you, what God says you have the capacity to do. You have the ability. Have you ever set your clock? Raise your hand if you've set a clock. You set that clock. In the same way, you have the power to set your mind. You say, it wants to think about this, or this is the natural progression of what it's thinking about. I, by an act of my will, change what I'm setting my mind on. I choose not to set my mind on things beneath. I choose to set my mind on things above where Christ is seated. Why? Because that's your place of victory, where Christ is seated. 
That's not under the circumstances. That's above the circumstances. That's where your authority comes from. That's Christ seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on his victory where he is above all principalities and powers. Amen. Where he's the head of the church of which you are his body and his enemies are being made his footstool. You are setting your mind from his place of authority, from who he is and what he has done and where he has brought you because you are seated with him in heavenly places. Come on, you are joint heirs with Christ. So when God hears you pray, he hears you through the blood of Jesus. You have access to God. You can go boldly into the throne of grace. Your, your prayers and, and your praise and what you're setting your mind on and how you're choosing to think about things is coming from a place of victory, not from a place of where the need is, but from where the solution is. See, when you, when you set your mind on the problems that you're walking through, you see from the perspective of earthly realm. But when you set your minds above and you get your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, and you get your eyes on Jesus, the one who's hearing you when you pray, then you have a, you have a vision above the need that you're facing. And you're praying from that position and you're thinking from that position, but it's a choice. I choose to set my mind on things above where Christ is seated, amen? The Bible goes on to say not only that I can set my mind in Colossians, but in Philippians chapter four, verse eight, the Bible says this, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So you can set your mind on things above, but then Philippians tell us, tells us now to fix your thoughts. It's the same. Set your mind and fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Amen. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure. You're making yourself do this. You're making yourself find what is true, probably because you're facing a world full of lies or there's lies that are flooding through your head. There's a lot of lies that flood through our head, like you're gonna die in this thing or you're never gonna be, you're never gonna see the victory or you're gonna starve or you're gonna be without or you're gonna fail or whatever, you're not worthy, you're not good enough. You know there's lies that flood through your head? My old pastor used to, say that you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. So thoughts fly through, thoughts of failure, thoughts of, of, of weakness, thoughts of God's unfaithfulness could even flow through there. But I fix my thoughts on what is true, the word of God and what God has promised, what is honorable. If there be things of praiseworthy, good report, think on these things. Look, I'm trying to teach you how to have victory in the middle of every season right now. Think on these things. Focus your thoughts. Some of you need to write them down even to bring them to remembrance, the power of bringing them to remembrance. You know what? God was faithful in this, and God has been faithful in this. And God was faithful to my grandmother, or God was faithful to the, to the Apostle Paul, or God was faithful to the children of Israel in this. And I fix my thoughts because my thoughts can get broken. My thoughts can get off track. So I fix them on what is good, holy, pure, honorable, worthy of praise. Psalms chapter 43. Are you getting anything out of this today? Psalms 43. David, here's King David, right? 
Psalms 43. You can be a godly individual. You can love the Lord. You can have a relationship with God. You can typically be a person of praise. But you know what? You can get into a place where you get discouraged, where you get dissatisfied, where you get fearful or full of anxiety. And you're, but you have the ability to change it is what I'm saying. And it has nothing to do with the circumstances changing in order to change your attitude or to change what you're doing in the middle of those circumstances. So here, David, in Psalms 43, I love what he says. He says, in Psalms, Psalms 43, he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God. Isn't that great? The New Living says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put, listen, I will put my hope in God. But he identifies, my soul is downcast. I'm feeling low today. I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling dissatisfied. I'm feeling fearful. I, there's anxiety going on in there. And I love that David is like analyzing himself. It's like, David, what are you doing, man? Like, this is not you. Wake up. Come on. Get it together, man. Sometimes we have to do this. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and you have to say, stop being such a baby. No one else needs to be there. They don't have to hear you talk to yourself and think you're like getting off the rails. I understand. But sometimes, come on. You've been so grumpy for so long. You don't even remember what it's like to be thankful and joyful. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Hope in God. Like, what is it that's burdening you? Why are you so negative? Why are you so fearful? This isn't like you. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live in this depressed place. This isn't who I want to be. I will put my hope in God. I will set my mind on things above. I will think on things that are pure, holy, just, honest, good report of being a virtue and any praise. I will think on these things. I will take authority over my soul, and I will not let my soul take authority over me. My mind, my will, and emotions. No, I'm going to tell my mind, my will, and my emotions to go back to God. Amen. Hope in God. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. But I also understand David was, I love the honesty there. He was not his best self. And he was identifying this. And he wasn't blaming God. And he wasn't blaming whatever was causing that so much. He was saying, I know what to do right now. I'm going to put my eyes back on God. Amen. Praise increases the size of God in your, your eyes of faith. Write that down, please. Praise increases the size of God in your eyes of faith. He becomes bigger than your problems. Praise does that. Thanksgiving helps you see what God's already done and helps you enjoy and receive what you already have. There's something powerful in praise and thanksgiving. Praise, I see praise as celebrating God, blessing God, worshiping God, honoring God. Thanksgiving is going down the line and being thankful for things. Do you see the difference? I'm praising you for you are wonderful. You are almighty. You are near to us. You are our Savior. You are our Lord. I'm thankful for saving my soul. 
I'm thankful for your provision in my life. I'm thankful that you gave me life and breath in my lungs. I'm thankful for. So there's a praising for who he is and a thankfulness for what he's done. I can also praise him for what he's done. Don't get too spiritual on that, but I'm just trying to give you some thoughts to help you in this praise. But I want you to see this power in being thankful for what he's already done. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want you to see something. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're all over our Bibles today. Isn't that good? 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 6. Yet godliness with contentment is great gain. The New Living says, yet true godliness with contentment itself is great wealth. And then there's a warning to being ungrateful that goes on below that, being dissatisfied. And you started with nothing, you're going to leave with nothing, and being grateful. You know, there is a power in godliness with contentment. This sense of God, look what you've already done, I am grateful for this. The devil, the world, so much of the the anxiety, the fear, the pressure that you're not enough, so much of that comes from this comparative reality thing of where you don't have enough, you haven't done enough, your family isn't enough to keep you happy, your spouse needs to change this, this, or this in order to bring you happiness, dissatisfaction sets in. And rather than starting from a place of with contentment, do you know you can't have, I believe, you can't be truly wealthy until you can have a place of contentment to start from. Because no amount of money is going to make you content. That's a choice. No other spouse is going to make you content because they've done something new or better. There is this sense of I am grateful for these things or your family or your home or whatever. We have to learn the power of contentment, being thankful for what we already have. Amen. Then when something else comes in, it doesn't make us better or more complete. We were already complete. We were already content and thankful and grateful. And these things can then be appreciated for what they're supposed to be appreciated for. Are you hearing that? There is a power we're missing in contentment. And so I want to encourage you with that. Let me just quickly finish this up and we're going to get to praising. The Bible throughout Leviticus chapter 23, I don't have time for it today, but through Leviticus 23, you're going to see all these feasts that were implemented into the church. The Feast of Passover, Unleavened Bread, first Feast of First Fruits, Feast of Harvest, Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement. These people knew how to party. God himself built these feasts and they were like seven-day feasts. Some of them. And then it would be like nine days later. Here's another feast. I'm telling you, God put these feasts together to bring them through the year, to bring them to a place of continual remembrance. Remembrance for the harvest. Remembrance for the atonement. Remembrance for the protection of God. Are you seeing this? These moments, even this Thanksgiving that we have, how many times we rush through it and it's like we've got to get the food done and we've got the family coming over and we don't even enjoy the family or we don't even enjoy, we don't take even time to genuinely be thankful because the food is hot. I get it. You want to eat hot food. I get it. There were times we'd always go around this circle. There'd be like 40 people in the room, you know, and dinner is on the counter and that's when we choose to be thankful, you know. 
We can plan better, you know what I mean? We can be thankful before we pull the stuff out of the oven or something. Anyway, what I'm trying to help you with today is this. Even God, with the nation of Israel, utilized holidays and festivals on purpose. You will stop everything you're doing. That's what he says. You won't do any work, and you're going to praise me all day. <laughs> and you're going to eat food and you're gonna celebrate, and you're gonna dance, and your kids are gonna watch you do it, and they're gonna listen to you praise me all day long. He didn't do it for him. He did it for them to remember how he's been faithful, and to remember that he's present, and he's been good to them, and to help them pass it on to their kids. And every few months out of the year, it was like, oh, we gotta stop and praise again. I'm gonna build it into your schedule. I'm gonna build it into your routine so that you will remember and bring it to remembrance. Last, last verse, and we'll, we'll sing together. I want you to open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Because it's not just about bad stuff. Sometimes we, we think, you know, the fear, the anxiety, the trouble, all these things distract you from being a praise Thanksgiving person. I'm going to tell you something else. All the blessings that God has done can also be a distraction from you praising him for what he's done. Sometimes prosperity itself can become common and we don't thank him for what we have because we're not in the same place of need that we were. Maybe in the beginning when you couldn't pay the bills, but what about now when you have more than enough money to pay the bills? When your bank account was totally empty, you were praying and thanking God, believing for miracle, whatever, but now that you have more than enough, do you still, are you still the one up here, oh business owner, oh titan of industry? Come on now. Are you still the first one up here thanking God, remembering from where he's brought you? Or are you now so wealthy and so prosperous that you have to stand in the back and judge and just, yes, God, thank you so much for the prosperity of my life. He brought you off the street. He gave you an idea. He gave you breath in your lungs. He gave you favor. You didn't give yourself that favor. He opened those doors for you. And don't you forget, because it was 10, 20, 30 years ago, thinking that you did something so much, those of you living in those places of great abundance should be the first up here praising and dancing. You should be kicking those shoes off saying, I remember what it was like when I couldn't buy shoes. because it's not just suffering and trouble that causes us to get distracted from being thankful, also prosperity can distract us from being thankful. Just Deuteronomy chapter eight, have you found it in your Bible? Let's look here in, let's see where do I wanna start. Verse seven, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land flowing with flowing streams and pools of water, fountains and springs that gush out of the valley and the hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, of fig trees, of pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is as abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, underline that, when you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But at this time, when you've eaten your fill, what he's saying, he's warning them, at this time, be careful. Be aware, beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God. 
Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God. And you begin to disobey his commands, his regulations, his decrees I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and your gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you. Isn't that powerful? Now notice God wasn't against prosperity. He just wanted to make sure you remember when you have fine houses, say fine houses, <laughs> that you don't forget God in it. And you don't forget to make memorials and bring to remembrance and celebrate and honor and be thankful for what God has done. So let's do that together. I want you to stand up. And we're gonna sing a song together and we're gonna do some warfare with praise and thanksgiving. Are you ready? You ready to throw off that garment and spirit of heaviness and receive a garment of praise? Are you ready to come into a place of thanksgiving and the weapons, amen? So I wanna open up the altars. Why don't you come on up to the front and we're gonna sing a song together and then we're gonna close. That's how we're gonna to end today. We're gonna to sing a song together in celebration, in thanksgiving, in praise. Whether you've come in with trouble or you've come in in great abundance or you've come in distracted, we are gonna intentionally praise and honor and we're gonna fight some battles right now. Fight some battles against sickness. Fight some battles against sin and bondage. Fight some battles against discouragement, dissatisfaction, fight battles against greed. We're gonna thank the Lord and praise Him today. You can find some spots on the sides. You can find some spots anywhere you want, but we're gonna turn this place into a battleground and we're gonna battle with praise and thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. oh, there's a table that you've prepared for me. In the presence of my enemies It's your body and your blood you shed for me This is how I fight my battle There's a table that you've prepared for me in the presence of my enemies It's your body and your blood you shed for me This is how I fight my battle And I believe you've overcome And I will lift my strong This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I fight my Goodness 
give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us needs a Savior. The Bible goes on to say that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is a gift, is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say how to do this. All who will call on the name of the Lord will, will be saved. And so today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we want to pray for you right where you are. You might say, Pastor Kevin, I don't remember a time in my life of ever asking Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Let's do that today. Or you might say, I used to have a walk with God, but I've walked away, and I would sure like a restart today. I want to recommit 
fresh with a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I wanna pray with you today. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna count to three. So if you all bow your heads and close your eyes wherever you are right now, I'm gonna count to three. And on the count of three, if that's you, and you say, Pastor Kevin, I wanna get right with God. I wanna make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. I just simply want you to raise your hand right where you are, and we're gonna pray a prayer right where you are. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up today? You need to get right with God. There's a hand right there, thank you. A second hand there, awesome. Praise God. You wanna restart or you wanna commit for the first time? Just put your hand up. We're all gonna to pray together in just a minute. Anybody else today? You're not right with God, but you wanna be. Just put your hand up. It's an acknowledgement saying, I'm surrendering. There's a third hand in the back, I see you, awesome. Anybody else today? A fourth one right here in the center. Praise God. Anybody else today? That's what it's all about. Five right over there. Awesome, I see that. Thank you, young man. Praise God. Anybody else today? This is great. Praise God. All right, church, let's all pray together with them, would you? If you raised your hand or even if you didn't, I want you to pray this prayer together so no one's praying by themselves. As much as you know how to do, just be as honest with God in this moment as you can and repeat this after me, would you? Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned that I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me, that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and celebrate that. Welcome home. Praise God. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.